So, Mike, another week, another episode done. I believe this is episode 31 or 32, so we're quite far into it now. Yeah, absolutely. We've just gone past my own age in the number of uh, podcasts that we've done. And yeah, I know it was a tough paper round, so we'll just give my Such a young chap. Well, this week, guys, we have Natalie Barton, who is the Digital Communities and Marketing Officer for Property Mark. Well said. For those that... I've got it out in one. For those that don't know Property Mark, they work closely with the government um, helping guide with legislation and try and put policies in place to help those landlords out there and just basically work with the government in order to make it fair for renters, landlords and the like. So Mike, moving on to the episode, we've almost got Natalie on the show, but what are you looking most excited for? Yeah, as you say, Property Mark are the organising body that we're affiliated to and we need to be to look after agents and obviously make sure that landlords interests and the letting industries interests are represented properly so looking forward to knowing what their opinion is where they're looking to push the industry what they're lobbying for how indeed on earth you lobby for something to happen against the government or with the government depending on which way it is and frankly what she thinks of the property market from her unique perspective no, definitely, I have to agree, and I think same views for myself. But we've seen it before with the tenant fee ban. Obviously, it was quite a long transition before that came into effect. But they were obviously working with that, and we've seen it with other legislation. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with the potential or when it comes into effect, the abolition of the Section Twenty One notices, and what happens with everything else like lifetime deposits, strengthen the Section Eight notice. So, I'm looking forward to find out from her mouth what's going on, where we stand with things. We've seen draft con- uh, drafts online on the government website, but where we are with things, basically. So let's get her on. Ready? Let's do it. So, Natalie, thank you very much for joining us on this week's podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Very exciting to be here. No, really pleased to have you, and I think it's a good uh, carry-on to have, following from a, a recent podcast or five, six months ago with Megan. We know there's a lot changed in the last six months, a lot of press going out there. And we thought it was about time to have someone back, really, to, to talk about this um, and go into a bit more Absolutely. detail for those listeners out there, because there's a lot of important changes that people need to be aware of. And there are some changes that's happened since then, which hopefully we can go into more detail. Brilliant stuff. I mean, that's the thing with government, isn't it? You ha- And being a landlord, you have to keep your ear constantly to the ground to know that you're meeting the right legislative requirements. Otherwise, you can end in a lot of trouble. So that is absolutely fundamental as a landlord. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's one thing that we normally um, we normally ask our, our guests, uh, and that's why they become a property professional themselves. So I just wondered if you could sort of share this with, with our listeners. Yeah, no problem. So like a lot of people in property, I kind of fell into it. Um, I was out for a jog. I was a mum and they were advertising four hours every other week in a little um, an estate agent that I was that in, in the town where I live. Um I never did do four hours every other week because as soon as I started, I absolutely loved it. So I started in a state agency with Fine and Country and then um, we were based within um, an independent agency and the letting side just was thriving and so busy and so interesting that when I got offered a position over with them, I, I moved over and I entered the world of lettings and never really looked back. Um, so I was a letting agent for seven years, um, 
became part of property mark as a regional executive volunteering in my spare time and the legislation and and being part of that community really really sort of fulfilled that gave me so much um, within my role and added to my role and gave me so much advice I could offer to landlords. So I've since moved over and I now work for Property Mark itself. It's funny you say that you fell into it. The amount of times, I don't know if you hear the, the same, Mike, but the amount of people that say they fell into agency, 10, 15 so, I mean, I did so much. Yeah, I didn't so much pivot. I pirouetted because before that I was a dance teacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> Total change then. Total change. But yeah, I, I wouldn't pirouette out of it now. <laughs> so getting stuck in then, mm-hmm. when we last spoke to Megan, there was a lot of talk about potential changes happening. So in the last six months, is there any changes that landlords that are listening need to be aware of? Um, I mean, the changes really, I mean, obviously we've had the levelling up white paper launched by government and that kind of encompassed a lot of things that were being discussed already in the renters reform bill so it's kind of consolidating that within this wider program that the government's got to improve standards in various aspects throughout the country um you know looking nationally and looking locally as well so um Although governments seem to have their eyes set on everybody becoming homeowners, there's still um, a very fundamental need to have a fair deal for renters as well. Um, And that obviously impacts landlords and their decisions, as well as um, affecting tenants in their rights and everything too. So it's going to be a a sort of the the levelling up white paper and the rent reform bill combined are going to have some seismic effects really throughout the the private rented sector okay okay i mean there's some big changes on that that i've seen there's drafts uh, online which people have full access to which we will post Mm. as well for people to review but just breaking it down for those that don't know what what it is can you just break down the key points of this and how it affects those landlords out there and potential tenants I mean, one of the most fundamental aspects that gets raised time and time again is the the government's pledge to abolish Section 21 notices. Now, that's causing quite a lot of jitteriness amongst landlords because things that landlords want are to... um, know that they're going to make some income on their rental property because after all landlords aren't charities it's an investment at the end of the day and they want to know that should they need it whether it's because of their tenants behavior or because of their own personal circumstances that they can get their property back in their own possession when they should need it now the obviously with section 21's being no fault and being mandatory ground for um eviction it gives landlords assurances that they have that right to get their property back if that's abolished the jitteriness comes from not knowing what the new grounds will be now the government said that they will they will tighten up section eight grounds so it will just be a different way of getting your property back and with delays in the court systems and and you know all the various implications of covid that that sort of had an effect on the court actually it could result in a better court process if people get involved in the consultations then we can make sure that it's kind of fit for fit for purpose and actually has 
the result that we need. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. But at the moment, that uncertainty as to what it could look like, I think, is causing quite a lot of doubt for landlords and making them contemplate whether they want to retain their investment or whether it's time to sell. So just with regards to the, the Section 8 notice then, uh, obviously I mentioned there's mm-hmm. drafts online with regards to this. Is there any clarity at this stage of, of what that will be? So is it if someone's moving back into the property or if they plan to sell? I mean, I think fundamentally then we need to make sure as people within the within the property industry that there are those grounds that if a landlord, I mean, although tenants have their circumstances and they they should have the right to have a secure tenancy at the same time landlords don't have a crystal ball and they can be impacted by illness or family change of circumstances change of jobs there can be any need that you know you want to sell your investment to help your own children onto the housing ladder or you want to sell your rental property because you're coming up for retirement or you want to sell because there's been a death you know worst case scenario isn't it that the landlords died and and the family's left with the the rental property with tenants in it you know there needs to be a way for landlords to be able to um have their have their property back you know when they need it so making sure those section eights are fit for purpose is going to be absolutely fundamental yeah definitely i think we don't want lots of landlords that are stuck in the circumstance like i said there's a death or some sort of illness they want to want to be in that position to be able to if they have to i understand why they're doing it in my opinion um i think it's something needed to be done whether it was mm. that extreme or not i think everyone's entitled to their opinion but it'll be interesting to see what the final bill would be uh, once that's that's finally out absolutely there. And it'll be interesting to see as well, because I mean, landlords do not evict tenants for no reason. <laughs> it just doesn't happen because you're in there to invest in property, to make a profit. If you've got a good tenant and your own personal circumstances are good and you're in it for the long haul, then there's not an issue. Far more tenancies are ended by tenants' requests than they are by landlords. So it needs to be kept into perspective as well that if you are a landlord, the, li- the chances are that your tenancy will be ended because the tenant wants to move on. I mean, even though tenancies are becoming longer, um, I think the average now in the last private rent sector report from Property Mark from March was um, the average length of tenancy is 23 months, wow. um, which is quite impressive stuff. It's a good, solid investment. But at the same time, within, what, two years, you can't ever quite predict what's going to happen. So, yeah, you do need that that kind of certainty that worst case scenario you can get your property back natalie what do you think brought about this whole hoo-ha about section 21 notices i mean i've got my opinions but it's been a it's been a i guess something that's been gathering pace and gathering speed about section 21 notices yeah i mean abolished. but what do you think actually caused that to, to to gather pace um it's it's a tricky one isn't it i I think in some respects although it says it's no fault but tenants actually if they're being asked to leave what they what is their home it's kind of a, a sign of respect to be able to tell them why you know just oh i want you out just because i want you out doesn't reflect a very fair deal for those tenants 
if a landlord can go to a tenant and say, I'm really sorry, I need you to leave the property because, you know, I've got a long term illness and I need the property back to live in. And, you know, and, and up front can actually say at the end of the day, this might be the case that I'm going to need the property back for X, Y or Z reasons, then at least the tenants go into those circumstances aware and, you know, so it is a fairer deal for the tenants in that respect. And I don't think that necessarily making them aware of the circumstance behind the eviction notice is a bad thing. Um, I'm not sure that they'll always necessarily like it <laughs> all the same. Like, oh, actually, I'm asking you to leave because you've damaged the property. Or I'm asking you to leave because you've had, you know, multiple rent late payments and things like that. You know, is that really going to be any nicer or friendlier on the tenants but at the same time yeah if that's what tenants want and certain groups would say that that is then you know as long as as long as you can still get a property back then perhaps that's fair enough again there's no there's never not a reason so we might as well give them those reasons yeah, absolutely. No one, no one takes back a property without a motive, right? No, yeah. and most landlords will will sort of, even if it's down to the tenants, will give them the benefit of the doubt for possibly months. You know, oh, you know, they're going through rent, you know, income difficulties, can't pay the rent. Well, you know, I'll, 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 I, you know, as we saw with COVID, you know, we'll make a payment plan. We'll, we'll give you some time in hand. So by the time actually a section notice comes, even if it's a tenant's situation, there's been a lot of sort of of thought given into that. And you know, it's not a, it's not a decision that most landlords would take lightly. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see what happens on that, um, especially with fewer, prop fewer properties on the market at the moment. Mm. Typically I don't see many landlords giving notice for for no reason. Mm. Uh, it goes back to our podcast um, with Megan, actually. She, you get out what you get in. And you said most tenants will leave because they want to leave rather than anything else. And if you look after your Yeah, well, you would hope, yeah, the tenants would hope. But at the moment, not even that's possible. You've got tenants who, who've got changing family circumstances, they've got another baby on the way or something, or they've got a change of jobs, but they can't find the property because you know landlords have been driven from the market and are selling up because and you can't blame the landlords either because that's been the best choice for them so we need to incentivize incentivize landlords to to invest in the market and that will help the market overall really landlords that's need to be prioritized too we we um, released the podcast recently saying that in the last five years two hundred and sixty thousand property mm. have left the market in the last five years which is incredible. Crazy, isn't it? And when we asked Chris Watkin for lifting yeah. that stat as well. Yeah. And the demand keeps increasing as well. There's no expectation that even if people are encouraged into home ownership, that people, it is the best choice for them. So the demographics show that more and more tenants will come to the market. And so we need to have a, an, a sector that supports that too. So I did have a question off the back of that then. So we are seeing lots of pride rental prices go up because of the the, the, sure, the sheer demand of people looking for property, mm -hmm. but also the lack of stock. I've seen lots of articles about putting in some sort of rent restriction of some sorts um, do you, or rent cap. Do you see anything like this potentially coming into effect? And if it did, how would it work? Oh, rent caps always seem like such a 
a good idea from a superficial perspective if you are responsible for a community such as the local government or something. But I think for time and time again, they've proved to be pretty devastating to the market. And I think, as Megan pointed out when she was on, that if you're going to incentivize people to invest, there's no point going, well, actually, you can only set this at so much because it just drives people away. There's, you know, there are other options. So you're far, far better to say to people, well, actually, the market is the market, but we will have, if you've got sufficient property in it that meets the demand, then it comes to, down to supply and demand, doesn't it? And, and tenants then have a choice and landlords have to adapt to the market rather than legislation in that way. Yeah, I agree. I think rent caps just discourage people from putting money into their property as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A, a, a drowning quality of, of property, yeah. because if I can only rent my two bed flat between 800 and 1,000 a month, well, mm-hmm. there's no point in putting new kitchen, yet. new bathroom, new flooring in because I, I'm never going to see my money back. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very, very good point that, you know, you get like, you put in you get out what you put in and tenants should expect the same in a way, isn't it? If, if you are paying a market price and you've got a choice, that that's the landlord, isn't it? You'd, I'm Actually, I need to offer the best because I need to attract somebody to my property or I need to, you know, make it a decent, a decent standard that should set the pace just as much as kind of the housing standards legislation should. There's, housing standards should be a minimum. The market itself should set the, the kind of expectation. I yeah. Agree with that. Definitely. And then just off the back of that as well, another talked about topic is lifetime deposits. We briefly, or we, we covered this with the DPS, Managing Director, mm-hmm. uh, of how they're working closely of potentially bringing this into play. I'd be interested to hear from, from, yours, from yourself of how you see this working moving forward if it was to come into place and if there's any anything that's been shared that maybe you can share with the listeners yeah i mean it's not an area that i'm necessarily expert in and i'm sure dps have a far better idea certainly for tenants it can be a real challenge can't it if you've got the best part of a thousand pounds tied up in one deposit to then find another deposit to for your house move, that can be a real challenge. But at the same time, you need the processes. What happens when there are dilapidations or a tenant's got rent arrears? What happens in those situations that's going to protect both the, the current landlord and also the future landlord? How I, you know, I I would want more reassurance as to the practicalities of that I think in principle it's a really good idea but the practicalities need to be very clear so that no landlord is being penalized and tenants can't you know there's no loophole that will you know that will let yeah but that will see see those landlords um at a loss because of how the system works I think that was my biggest concern is like you said if there's dilapidations on one property going into a next one how do you work out that, especially if the damage supersedes the deposit that was there, what protection does that landlord have? So let's mm. see what happens on that, because that was one of the things mentioned as well that's coming up quite frequently that a lot of people are pushing for. 
Yeah, I mean, it, again, it, it's making renting accessible, isn't it, to to all sorts of people. But at the same time, it has to be it has to be done properly and effectively so that yeah, everybody has is protected. Yeah, tenants and landlords. It's a balance. Always a balance. Perfect. Um, and then going on to um, the boiler scheme that's been released. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share some more information on this? So this is a really new announcement as well, isn't it? The the um, new requirements for EPCs is, has obviously been pending for a while now um, with private rented sector properties going to be required to have a C rating is the latest proposals, isn't it? Um, so landlords are really would be really prudent to get on board as soon as possible. We jumped through the hoops for the EICRs and a lot of people found it stressful towards the end when the deadlines were looming and contractors were busy and, you know, the the cost could be into thousands. And again, we've got the situation now again with new EPCs. So the government's announced the um, government upgrade boiler scheme. Um, it's now open for um, properties in England and Wales. You can get £5,000 grant for air source heat pumps, um, £6,000 grant for ground source and a £5,000 for biomass um, if you're in a rural area. So obviously they're not insignificant amounts of money and they are open for landlords and second property owners. So that's great news. Um, One of the interesting caveats, though, is that you have to have fulfilled any um, insulation requirements on your current EPC. So if there's anything there outstanding, that has to be addressed before you can access these grants. So it's really in the interest of the landlord to have a look at your current EPCs, have a look and see what the requirements and recommendations are. Make sure that you start with that insulation um, and then have a look at the scheme and, and make those applications proactively you're going to be you know it's better for your tenants because in the current cost of living crisis that we're in it helps them reduce their energy bills so it builds a better relationship between you and them it takes that pressure off even though we're not 100% certain what the the you know the 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 EPC regulations will quite look like at least acting proactively puts you in a strong position so yeah I would recommend to landlords they have a look at that that boiler scheme as well. Do you think it's likely to be a C obviously all the speculation is saying C and above um, when we spoke last time with Megan there was Isla were trying to push for a D mm-hmm. um, but how far they got with that whether it's sort of progressing to that because the amount someone has to spend to bring it up to the standard with the average rate being a deal below on properties is quite a substantial spend to spend on that. So it can be, yeah, thousands and thousands of pounds, can't it? And that obviously impacts landlords' yields and profits. And it's and, and there's another reason, you know, that landlords think, well, actually, I don't want to jump through this next set of hoops. Um, I'll withdraw, but it's in the hands of the government, and it's still going through processes at the moment. It's still being proposed as a C but I think if landlords are really concerned about it the best people the best thing to do as well as looking at what's on 
offer to them is to get involved with their local MPs or get in touch with Property Mark and say, look, this is the situation so that lobbying can potentially make a difference going forward and make it more realistic or make the offers more more accessible for people so that we don't see the, those landlords withdraw because I mean as again like that like um, Megan said it, it affects nearly 50% of properties currently within the private rented sector um, that's a huge number you know yeah so who knows but at the moment I mean it probably in these circumstances best to go with worst case scenario and go with the C rating and see what can help you get up there, but at the same time, take those steps to to lobby for something more suitable. What are, what are Property Mark's theories on these, I'll call them schemes from the government mm-hmm. to, to fund things where a really high amount is banded around by Richie Sunak? You know, we're putting 30 million into this, we're putting 100 million into that. And as an agent, the Green Deal rings a bell with me about <laughs> something that was that was trumpeted and I have never met a single person who claimed any money out of the Green Deal because no. all it was going to do was cause them time aggravation and cost their tenants money. Well, yeah, um, exactly. And then plus I think with the Green Deal, a lot of the, the things on offer actually weren't suitable for the properties that they were, that were, needing them so i had various landlords that looked at them and went actually doesn't suit my property love to love to make use of it but i can't so exactly yeah exactly that's why we need to have that conversation with with government and make them aware that it's not a one-size-fits-all solution that there has to be nuances and options and actually has to be fit for purpose it's no good just shouting sort of in a in a, an echo chamber we have to actually use the proper channels so that the proper people who have that influence who have that sway get to hear our voices one of the things that i've been encouraging um anyone that's been looking at properties or anyone that's got a property that's a derating or below is to to start looking at improving those performance of the property now yes and the reason i say that is in come 2025 when it does come into effect i know it's not confirmed yet but it pretty much is Mm -hmm. um when everyone decides to do it at the same time all those contractors are going to be unindated with work and what happens when you've got a lot of demand prices go up yeah cost of it cost of loft insulation is going to go through the roof you heard it here first (laughs) (laughs) exactly so get in early and and get the work done before it does cost you substantially more than what it will cost now i know it's going to cost a bit but with interest rates as low as they are look at maybe refinancing and taking some money out and, and starting the works because the likelihood it's going to happen. If you're looking for a new investment, look for either a new build or something that's already yes. in that category. Yeah, definitely, definitely. For new investors that are looking for a C-rated property, even if it costs more, I mean, it just saves so much time and money and effort and tenants don't always want the the intrusion of of you know retrofitting properties so yeah look for the c ratings um is absolutely key and then if you have got a property whether that's something that you know you've you've inherited it or it's an older investment then yeah absolutely i agree with you to start now i mean we we saw it with the icrs that demand on electricians was just through the roof 
and people really struggled if they left it too late to hit those deadlines we we need to abide by the lessons we learned there and start sooner so that you've got time in hand definitely i mean contractors are hard enough to get hold of as they are at the minute as Mike said, you heard it here first, so get your EPCs done early. Um, it brings me on to my last question, mm-hmm. uh, was we're seeing lots, obviously, about um, the cost of living increasing. You can't miss it. We, no. we all see it. Petrol prices are a ridiculous price um, on, on a daily basis. But what does this mean for tenants with arrears and, and anyone that's potentially going to fall within that category that, that are on lower incomes, what advice can you give to landlords out there that's maybe potentially experiencing this now with their tenants or could potentially experience it? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, whether it's now or whether it's potentially in the future, things are biting hard and, and landlords do need to be mindful of the situations that tenants are experiencing. So, um, yeah, to know, to have those conversations, to build your relationship with your tenants right from the off is so important, isn't it? And we've, we've been, one of the good things to come out of COVID and lockdowns um, has been that a lot of landlords have start, you have built those relationships up. They've, they've kind of negotiated their way through some tricky situations and got to know their tenants as as you know as people rather than just the people that live in their house do you know what i mean there's a human side to it and a lot of landlords took that on board um during covid and it's it's the same again now really um the prices keep increasing people's wages aren't in line so there are going to be situations where tenants are likely to struggle um I guess one of the things that that landlords can do a is to i mean the bonus of of if you're sorting out your epcs and making your your properties more energy efficient then you're helping your landlords straight off the bat there with with what is a big concern for a lot of people right now with their energy bills um but if tenants do have issues with their rent i think being open to them coming to you is the first best thing that you can possibly do because it's when land when tenants go underground and suddenly go off radar that's when things get really a bit scary a bit nerve-wracking and and can escalate to unmanageable proportions but if a tenant's going well actually i am struggling can i have a conversation about that it, it gives you more options more time to sort something out and 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 sort of come to some agreement um and the thing is as well the market keeps increasing doesn't it but there will become a point where it that's not sustainable so i think even though in terms of investment obviously you want to get the best possible rent that you can it's also morally i think prudent to have a look at your tenant circumstances if you're requesting rent increases or putting your your property on the market as to what is actually affordable for the local market what's actually affordable for your tenants um, and to balance that as well with what you need to make as a landlord um you know to 
for yourself as well um because keeping tenants in a property and being in the circumstances where they can manage their rent causes so fewer issues than if you've got a tenant who can't pay they end up with thousands of pounds of arrears you have to go through the process of evicting them then potentially having a void period whilst you know you you sort all of that out and get the property back on the market so look for the long term rather than short term and and just be human and kind and signpost to kind of yeah ways to help without being patronizing and yeah just be human no i agree i think that question wasn't to scare any landlords out there by the way that was specifically for anyone that's fallen into the unfortunate circumstance of maybe redundancy or they're Mm. these things happen unfortunately and as we had with um a reference company recently is references are only a snapshot of today it doesn't mean tomorrow something won't happen so it doesn't happen every day but we no. are seeing the increased living cost of living going up and it is something that potentially you may witness over the years so it's Indeed. something just to prepare for I, so. I mean when i was an agent i was predominantly responsible for um yeah rent payments and rent arrears and Although we had blips over the start of lockdown, it was surprising how how much tenants prioritised their rent payments. They had a respect for their landlords, um, and and the vast majority will always put that as a as a priority for their expenditure. You know, they they really rely on on having a roof over their heads, so that is one of their priority spends perhaps one of the things that helps actually and i'd always suggest is to make sure that your tenants rent due date aligns with the day that they get paid or the day that you know their income comes in so that there's no chance for it to dissipate in other ways um it just automatically goes out get them to set up that standing order in line you know you you can adjust can't you on a daily rent calculation and that that again really helps of negate those those worries about that rent not coming in i have to agree now before i pass you over to mike to go for the quick fire questions <laughs> um, other than the renters reform bill is there anything in the near future that landlords need to be aware of that may be coming into effect um i think i think with the epcs and the renters reform i think they're the two kind of big areas that the landlords really should be looking at and just you know having those conversations and talking to the right channels and really getting to to grips with because nine times out of ten you can actually be pretty reassured that even though they're going to be big changes they don't need to be devastating changes and there's still a good investment to be had within the private rented sector for being a landlord especially when the demand is going to continue um you know, if you, you're unlikely to be at a loss if you've got a, a house of a decent standard to not be able to find a reliable tenant for your property. Um, and even though the R word of recession keeps being touted, if you're in it for the long run, even if there is a blip in the market long term, you're always going to make money on on property. So having it rented out gives you gives you that time to see that investment come through regardless of what the short-term pain points might be mike you've got a great example uh, for when you witnessed the last recession um how long did it last for in your eyes uh, where well in in leafy berkshire one month 
2008, recession lasted a month. House, price, been... house prices dived. Everyone took the house off the market because mm-hmm. they're all knee-deep in equity and house prices recovered overnight. Absolutely non-event where, where we're based, which my family's from the northeast mm-hmm. and it took... 15 years probably to recover to previous highs. So I've got a good understanding of it's not just all about us, but yeah, Southeast incredible situation in 2008, that houses just disappeared off the market overnight. And uh, because as you've mentioned two or three times, demand and supply just takes over. If there's nothing available and someone wants something, they're going to, they're going to have to pay for it. So um, anything can happen in a downturn really that's just like we've had anything happen in the last two years no yeah. one would have predicted this the situation no. we're in now no absolutely and you know there's a lot of doom mongering isn't there and there's a, again in the sales market a lot of uncertainty and it's if you're in sales that's the question that everybody's on on the lips you know is there going to be a recession is my house going to be worth it is it worth buying now but ultimately if you're buying it for the right reasons and for a long term then there's nothing really to worry about is there overall so um nobody's price is uh, nobody's house is certainly worth less than it was worth at the time of the last recession so yeah there's always yeah always look for the brighter side of that rather than rather than the the doom laden side yeah i I totally agree anyone anyone buying a property for a a six month quick buck Mm. you should you should never be buying a property for a six uh, six month quick buck i see why people do it but as you said, the key is that on average, house price will double every 10 to 15 years and there will be blips within that 10 or 15 year period. So if it comes in the first two, mm. then you've pretty much got it written into a guarantee that the next 13 is going to be pretty good for you. So um, and, and the house is only ever worth what it's worth when you actually cash out of it. So yeah, absolutely. To, to see values going up and down when you've got a tenant in situ really is a bit of an, uh, an irrelevance, really. Mm. But to the quick fire round, I'm taking it off Tristan this week. We've, okay. we've switched roles. I don't know if you've watched or listened to us before, yes. but taking off your property mark hat <laughs> um, and, and, and putting all, all your professionalism aside for a totally personal opinion, what happens next in the housing market? Wow. Well, people always need houses, won't they? I would say at the end of the day, no matter what happens with Bank of England or interest rates or whatever, at the end of the day, people need somewhere to live. So how, what shape that takes or what interventions there are, um, the only priority that any one person really should be focusing on is what their needs are and how they meet their needs. And if you were to invest in a property deal, be that anything in property, what would be the perfect investment for you? It shouldn't ever be about the money. You're all about the figure. It should be about the what it provides in terms of your happiness. So if it's your family home, like you say, unless, until it comes to the point that you want to sell it, it doesn't matter what it's worth. I've lived in my own house since I was 15 and it's my home and I don't really care what it's worth. I know it's worth more than what I bought it for off my mum's estate when she died, but I don't, it's irrelevant. So the perfect, perfect property purchase would be a property that I loved 
rather than one that I thought, oh, that could make me some money. Because if you look after the first and you do it for the right reasons, the second actually follows. Absolutely. I think we've, we've got an, an interesting example of a property we've just listed, listed for sale with Lee Glome today where mm-hmm. it was um, a lady's own property. She loved it. It was rented out privately, interestingly enough. It took her a year to get the tenants out. Wow. Um, and rather than just stick the house on the market with its damp, its mould, its mildew, its ruined carpets, she put, put some money back into it, come back to the property, loved it again. Mm-hmm. And potentially the investment that she's put in will be quadrupled wow. um, on, on, on the refurbishment in, 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 in sales value. So like you say, putting some love into a property, some emotion, some time is, yeah. is, is a massive Treat thing because it reflects in other people. Yeah, treat a property like you would want it to be treated if it was yours, whether you're either selling it or whether you're renting it out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And one question that's not normally on the list, but a big one for a, for a property mark representative, pets in lets, lets with pets, whichever way around you want to put it, <laughs> as a landlord, pets yay or pets nay? I don't think a, a cat or a dog can be is the worst thing that could possibly happen to a property. Your tenants are more likely to be grateful, more respectful, and they tend to stay longer as well. So, you know, there are definitely benefits to allowing pets rather than saying no. Right. Well, thanks uh, very much for your time, Natalie. Um, You're welcome. It's been fun. To have you on the show and sort of share a different opinion and give us an update of what's going on there. So, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It's been really good. Thanks very much. So, Mike, that's a wrap. So, a lot of it, well, there's a lot of information shared there that's been talked about for a while. And I think, from my view, was interesting to see what's going on with the renters' reform bill. Um, as I mentioned at the start, I wanted to hear from her mouth of where we stand with things. And I think evictions are important. But I think it's fair to say what she said is people like to know why they're being evicted. Although we don't see it day to day with no reason. Um, it'd be interesting to see when it comes into place, how much they strengthen up the section eight notice to get their properties back. But I think everyone's entitled to their view in it. Personally, I don't agree with it, but I think what she shared there really got to me um, on top of the EPC changes. It's still not confirmed as a C and there is a possibility they're pushing for a D. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with that as well. But what did you take away from this today? Yeah, I think, I think I'm in agreement with you. D would be a much more sensible figure um i mean i used to own and rent out an apartment which was built in 2008 that was ranked as a d i lived in that flat and i can tell you it was perfectly efficient and fit for use um and upgrading it to a c would be a massive challenge given there was no gas in the street um so and i'm to be quite frank at this point in time no interest in putting a heat pump into a property um but yeah, I mean, I agree with you again from the Section 21 point of view. I think the the only reason people are worried is because they don't know what's going to replace it. And I totally agree with that sentiment. Um, but I also agree with, with Natalie's point of view that it's almost a misuse of Section 21 because it's called a no-fault eviction. So people just serve the Section 21. Don't give anyone ex- any explanations about why it's being done. So the tenant automatically feels hard done by. Whereas as a career professional, I've always provided a cover letter 
or a phone call before the notice has gone out to have a chat with the tenant, explain the situation so they know there's a human reason behind why they're receiving a notice, which to a lot of people just looks like legal jargon. So it could have been something that the industry could have regulated itself properly in the first place to prevent the this situation manifesting itself really i have to agree with that and i feel like you said like we said in the podcast it's all about building relationships if you have a good relationship with your tenant from the start it's so much easier to make that call to them and say look really sorry change of circumstances this has happened rather than like you're saying getting that shock opening the letter and finding the notice it's uh it's obviously not nice to see but it's just so important to have that relationship and it could have been broken down earlier um, I have to agree with that. So that's an end of this week's podcast. We hope you found it useful. If you have any questions at all, or you feel that you'll be a good guest for the show that could benefit the listeners out there, feel free to send us a DM at the landlord page or get in contact um, via the website. Um, but we thank you very much for your time. Until next week, Mike. Till next week. See you then. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agent's ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.